Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who am I that you are? Mindful And who am I that you are thinking of me? He said, you are beautiful, my lovely creation can
Welcome to the One Ministries Podcast, brought to you by the One Ministries Church. I'm your host, Naron Tillman, pastor and founder of One Ministries, based in the vibrant city of New York. Our mission is to unite believers from all walks of life, backgrounds, and experiences to work together as one body, with one mission and one purpose. Through this podcast, we aim to bring you inspiring messages, thought-provoking discussions, and practical insights that will help you grow in your faith, deepen your relationship with God, and live out your calling as a follower of Christ. Join us as we explore relevant topics, share personal stories, and interview guests who will inspire, challenge, and encourage you in your journey of faith. Our goal is to help you connect with God and others, discover your purpose, and make a positive impact in your community and beyond. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. This is the One Ministries Podcast, and we are excited to have you on this journey with us. I just got to get to the scripture. Lord God, we thank you for allowing us to be in your presence for more time. We praise you and we magnify you for all that you have done. We ask that you, O oh Lord, would get the glory out of all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank God and amen. I have to first want to give an honor to God and glory to his name for all that he is doing in my life and in your life also. We're looking at Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 6, beginning at the 13th verse. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. Make me an ark of gopher wood. Room shall thou make the ark. Rooms shall thou make the ark. And shall pitch it within and without pitch. And this is the fashion thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of uh, 50 cubits, and the height 30 cubits. A window shall thou make in the ark, and it shall finish it above. And the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof with the lower and the second, third stories shall you make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring the flood waters upon the earth, and I will destroy all flesh everything breathing from under the heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with you, I will establish my covenant and thou shalt come on into the ark, you, your sons and your wives and your sons wives with thee. And every living thing, two of each sort shall you bring to keep them alive with you, both male and female. The word of the Lord is blessed. Um, we are excited about the word of God. We've been looking at this story of Noah's art. Last week we talked about the dark side of victory. So we fast forwarded through the time that he got into the boat successfully and then we saw him in his human humanity but i want to go back to the origin of the story when god first introduces himself to noah there's some things in the text that i would like to glean from there's some things that i think that will be germane to 
where we are as a society, as it relates to our relationship with who he is and where we are trending towards. One, we have to take into consideration that God is all-knowing, that God is all-knowing. Two weeks ago, we explored the fact that how can he be all-knowing and still repent? And we talked about how the Bible uses anthropomorphic language to describe him personality-wise, or describe him and the things that he does. And so that our minds, which is limited, can understand him who is infinite. So that our minds, which are which is limited, can understand him who is infinite. The God that we serve is infinite, and he calls us who is limited. We are introduced to language in this chapter, covenant. Covenant is a contract that we looked upon as contract between God and now Noah. So this is the Noahic covenant. And this covenant is extensive in the fact that we'll be looking at it for a few weeks, that now God promises to reestablish the earth through no, the other day we were, we were, I was chopping up some peppers and the seed of the peppers, my wife told me to put the seed of the peppers into another particular jar so that she can keep it. And I said, why are you keeping this? It was like the head. And I said, why are you keeping that part of the pepper? She said, because I'm going to replant it again and we'll be able to not have to purchase peppers, but we'll be able to have more peppers. So the seed of the pepper produced peppers. We have to understand that Noah is a part of the offspring, just as we are, of Adam. And although God is eradicating all that is around him, when he goes, Noah and his family, Noah's sons and their family go back into the reproductive mode, or reproduction mode, while they're on the boat, they're still going to produce other strands of Adam. This is not eradicating sin. This move that God is doing is not eradicating sin. It's not removing sin from the earth. It's removing that generation from the earth. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of that as theologians, that we think that this is a reset for all of creation. And now Noah is going to create people in his image and in his likeness. No, it will still be in the image and likeness of Adam who was created in the image and likeness of God. Adam was created in the image of God. Eve was created in the image of God. From Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Adam and Eve falls and they evolve or they regress into the image of Adam, which is fallen humanity. And Adam begot Seth in his own likeness and his own image. Seth begot all of his children in Adam's likeness and image. And that image and likeness is not the nose, it's not the eyes, it's not the ears, it's not the lips. How many times have we? watch like the Maury Povis show and it's like, look at that baby, don't look like me. Look at his nose, look at my nose. My nose is flat, his nose is round. And then it comes out that the baby is there. Or the baby can look like them and it comes out that the baby is not there. So the image that we are describing is a non-material image. It is an image that you cannot put your fingers on. It's an image that you cannot touch. It is the spirit of man that is now passed down, this distorted image of God that is now dwelling in man. We're also going to explore today typologies. We see in the ark that the ark is pitched on the inside. The ark becomes a form of protection for those who are going into the ark. Everyone on the outside of the ark will be judged, will be destroyed. Everyone on the inside of the ark will continue on with life as they knew it outside of the ark, although they're experience in the ark will probably change the way that they live forever. We see and Noah goes into the field and gets drunk and he is seen by some. Typologies are types of Christ that are foreshadowing what Christ would be. So Christ, the type of ark, Christ is now a type of ark the spirit of God is a type of pitch. How is Christ a type of art? Because all who are in Christ becomes a part of his protective protection. He protects us from what? The wrath of God, which we believe is to come because of our disconnection from God. Everyone in Christ, everyone in the ark, is safe. Everyone in Christ, everyone in the ark, now has a responsibility to reproduce. We are safe and we are given something, a covenant of eternality. We have now dwelling in us eternal life. Uh, it is in the ark that Noah finds safety, but it's also in the ark that we find safety. We are safe in Christ. 
he invites us into the ark. He invites us into him. He says, come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and what shall you find? You shall find rest. Take my yoke covenant upon you, for my yoke is We are in him, and he now is in us. I don't know if I was preaching a lot. Did I hear me? I'm hearing some background noise. Bro. Somebody else was unmuted. All right, it's going. So we now have to establish the fact that these stories that we see in what we consider to be the Old Testament are foreshadowing what we would experience in Christ and what we would consider to be New Testament teachings. So the art now is the type of Christ. The spirit is seen in the pitch for the ark was pitched on the inside and the ark now keeps everything that's within from going without. The pitch keeps everything that was in from going without. We are pitched with the spirit of God. The spirit of God brings to us all that God has to offer us as believers. We are not shortchanged. We are pitched perfectly. Each and every one of us has a pitch. Watch this. And it may seem as if it's individualized, which is not. The experience that we have in Christ is unified. That the same pitch that is in my heart is the same pitch that is in your heart. The same arc that you walked into is the same arc that I walk into. We are now one in pitch, working harmoniously in the world, but no longer being of the world because of the substance that is placed inside of us. The substance now that is inside of us causes us to do things that we could not necessarily do before. In God's foreknowledge, he calls Noah to do something when all seem chaotic. The scriptures let us know that there was no rain and there was no rain in sight. But here is Noah by faith building something that seemed to be unnecessary. My first point, when God calls you, he calls you to do stuff that would seem otherwise to the world or to those around you unnecessary. He doesn't just call us to be the same. He places in us a pitch that makes us supernatural in our abilities, supernatural in our thinking, and the limitations that we experience only because we don't really understand what it is that we are pitched in. That's why he uses the foolishness of preaching to do two things. One, to cry out to sinners to come into the ark. Two, to remind those who are in the ark of who they really are. To remind those that are in the ark that 
we can do all things through Christ that strengthened us. To remind those that are in the ark that greater is he that is in me than, than he that is in the world. To remind us that love covers all of the law. Because in love, we love our enemies as we love ourselves. In love, we care about the dying need of this world. In love, we take no hope for tomorrow or no worry for tomorrow, no care for tomorrow, because out of love, we understand that he provides for us our daily bread. We understand that he understands that we need remnants and we need clothing on our body. So we look at the rest of his creation and say, if his eye is on the sparrow, then I know he watches over me. So that transformation of thought, that, that transformation of the way we process now plays out into our children. Because we, if we train up our children to trust in the Lord with all your heart, to lean not into your own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will strengthen your heart. If we train our children because of our relationship, then we are breeding those who look like us, pitched on the inside, trusting in God. Doesn't mean that they won't walk away. Doesn't mean that they won't have challenges. Doesn't mean that there's times that we're not challenged in our faith. But what happens is that he grows us from faith to faith. So he calls us to do something that we wouldn't necessarily do. And I'm using that as an example because we, before Christ, believe that we controlled our future. We believe that we controlled what it is that we did. We didn't give glory to God for our accomplishments. But after Christ, we now begin to do something that we never did before. We understand that all of our help comes from divine order. So instead of bragging, we become grateful. Instead of leading with ego, we lead with love. At least that's what we're supposed to do. So he calls us to do something that is uncommon and something that we possibly cannot do on our own. The second thing that we see as he calls Noah is that we can't do it by ourselves. That we can't do it by ourselves. The building process Noah does by himself. But to replenish, he could not do on his own. Noah and him, Noah by himself in the ark would have just died and all of creation would have ended right there. He would have died in the ark and everyone else would have died outside of the ark. Or even if he came out of the ark and everything that existed was gone, he would have eventually demised because the wages of sin is death. Noah needs a partner. Noah needs a partner. And he finds a partner in his wife. Noah needs a partner. He finds a partner in his children. Noah needs a partner. He finds a partner in the fowls of the air, in the creeping, in the crawling beast. God brings us into community so that we can find partners that we can build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
doesn't call us to do it by ourselves. He lends us collaboration. When you have a partner, you won't go through depression alone, but your partner will hold your hands up and remind you of who he is. When you have a partner, when they're going through whatever life troubles that they're going through, you as partner go in and cover their weakness and help them through their seasons of weakness. When you have a partner, though you might lack in some areas, if your partner is strong in other areas, you have no lack. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shaq and Kobe were partners in the championship pursuit. Shaq was big and tall and could grab rebounds and make dunks. Kobe was athletic and flexible and could lock down the perimeter of the defense. But it wasn't just Shaq and Kobe. They had a Brian Shaw. They had a Derek Fisher. They had other people in collaboration. And Cod will allow us to collaborate with people because he understands the importance of community. That's why we come to church. Because he didn't just make us homo sapien, he made us homo religious, which means that there's a necessity to commune and to communicate. And in here, Noah has to know his wife in order to reproduce. His sons have to know their wives in order to reproduce and replenish that which God has now eradicated. Need a partner. I need a partner. In my sophomoric mindset, younger in age, I used to think that I can do it all by myself. But in from my, as we grow and mature from milk to meat, we realize that if you're going to do something great, if you're going to be unique, if you're going to do something that is going to challenge the world, then you need a partner. Partnerships, we establish greater resources. We can establish greater resources. In partnerships, we can establish uh, uh, different mindsets and shifts in personality or shifts in thinking and shifts in culture. In partnerships, we can figure out where our shortcomings are and we can leverage what other people may bring to the table. You need a partner. So he calls them to do what they could not do by themselves. He calls them into collaboration. He calls them to do what seemed and deemed to be crazy to everyone else. The last thing that he does is that he now establishes his covenant with no. One of the common themes that we'll find in the scriptures is that when he calls men, he calls them with an agenda. He calls Noah 
he calls Noah with an agenda, with an agenda that was suited for Noah. He calls Abram, he calls Abram with an agenda that was suited for Abram. He calls David, he calls David with an agenda that was suited for David. He calls you, he calls you with an agenda that is suited for you. And in our listening, we can hear exactly what the agenda is. We find our passion in what it is that he is gonna bless us to be, what it is that he's gonna bless us to do. If we are great at something, then usually we can be more impactful at what it is that he's calling us because the thing that he gives us, the thing that he lends us, the gifts and the talents that he use, utilizes in us will bring us before great men will catapult us into economic freedom. It has the ability to do all of these things. We just have to believe that the little gift that he's given us, whether it's the gift of song, the gift of cooking, the gift of healing, the gift of mindset, the gift of building, the gift of destroying, whatever gift that he places inside of us, whatever it is that he's birthing inside of us, once we travail and give birth to it, it can lead us to greener passions. Everything that he gives us, he can be used not just to build his kingdom so that we can want from nothing, so that we can establish ourselves as head and not the tail, so that we can testify that he's given it to us. He doesn't call us into fellowship so that we can lack We lack because we don't believe that he has everything set up for us to be greater than what it is that we are right now. Notice the scripture says that he does exceedingly and abundantly above what we can think. But if I'm thinking that I'm still wrapped up in generational curses. My father was a, an addict. My, his father was an addict. So I have to be an addict. If that's my mindset, then I'm going to always find myself shifting away from being joint heirs in Christ. It doesn't change the fact that I'm joint heirs back into that addict's mentality. Because I feel as if I'm generationally cursed. So... I now think myself into being that which I already thought about myself, if you understand what I'm saying. But if I understand that he calls me out of that generation unto himself and establishes himself inside of me and gives me a new DNA. Yes, my daddy was an addict. Yes, his father might have been an addict. But me, I am in Christ a new creature transformed by the renewing of my mind, no longer connected to that which I used to be. Paul put it like this, put it like this in Galatians. When it pleased God, he separated me from my mother's womb. That term separated me from my mother's womb is not talking about being birthed in the natural. He gives him a newborn date. He births him again. Nicodemus said, how can one be born again? Do I have to re-enter back into my mother's womb? We are born again into something different. We died to that which we were 
and we become alive to that which he has built inside of us before the foundation of the world. That's why he calls preachers and we don't call ourselves. That's why he establishes him, himself inside of us. That's why he shows us love. And now we reciprocate to the world that which he has given unto us. And now we can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now we can say stuff like we're forgetting those things which are behind us and we press our way to the mark of the high calling which is in the ark or in Christ Jesus. We get excited about things that we have to face. The early church got excited to be partakers in the hatred that the world had for Christ. They didn't look for or look to establish themselves as something other than they were in collaboration with him and they would come back and testify to one another. I got lashed in my back. Oh, they tried to throw me in jail all to denounce who he is. But I would not bow my knees down to bell. We have to get excited of the fact that he birthed something inside of us and that the world will either try to make us compromise that which he birthed inside of us or denounce that which he birthed inside of us so that we can have and enjoy the riches of the world. But if we trust in him to give us that which he has promised us, then we don't have to trust in those who are disconnected from us to give us anything. So we don't have to go to the governor and sell out Christ. We don't have to go to our president and sell out our faith. We are established in our faith. And his faith is established in us. So like the three Hebrew boys, as they go into the fiery furnace, he might not deliver us, but we know that he can. And we will not bow down to bail. This faith comes over the course of a lifetime. Remember that the covenant that we now have is not for 40 days. The covenant that we have in the ark, covenant that we have been pitched with is that of eternality. He loves us unconditionally and he loves us eternally. So he pitches us with that which is eternal, that which can never die, and he grants us access to come boldly before his throne of grace. Ah, we have in him an eternal fellowship. We're not by ourselves again. We are connected to one another in covenant fellowship, but we are connected to him and we're connected to all that he has. And if we really believe that he has the whole world in our hands, then we ought not hold our head down when it seems as if trouble is on every side. If we really believe that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, then we ought to not hold our heads down when we see our enemies formulating their weapons. If we really believe that he has called us and that he has established himself and that he begins to transform our minds, then we ought to be able to look for the crumbs of that transformation. I am no longer who I used to be. I'm dead to who I was. 
And although the old me will rise its ugly head, although the old me may still war against me, and in my flesh I desire and I see that there's no good thing, there's always evil around me. When I would to do good, evil is always present. In me, I still have that victorious Christ dwelling. I am now sanctified. Pursuing after him on a day-to-day basis. That's why we pray. That's why we meditate. So that we can be reminded that we are pitched on the inside. And that we're in the ark of safety. Trouble may be around us. We're troubled on every side, but we're not the complex. We're not in despair. We have to learn how to live without. We have to learn how to become all things to all people. We have to learn how to access our gift. Do you understand that the gift that God has placed inside of you has to go through some pressure? Has to go through seasons of doubt? Have to go through seasons of tranquility? Have to go through seasons of emotional instability? Have to go through seasons where you're being overlooked for the promotion, over underappreciated for what it is that you bring to the table. Your salary may not necessarily match up to the gift thing that God has placed inside of you, but as you build that ark, Noah, as you begin to build when nobody's watching, when the time comes and the time is right and you and your family begin to walk into that which you have built, you will see that he might not come when I want him, but he always beyond time. So I have to build when no one's watching. I have to establish the gift. Noah and his family are now operating in Noah's gift that God had called them to do, to display to everybody else, to build an ark in a season of drought that his people might live and dwell in. Do you understand that the works of your hand can bless your generations? Do you understand that God did not call us into his fellowship so that we might lack and be irresponsible? But he called us so that we can show the world that in him there is no lack. That we don't have to sell out, that we don't have to change our message, that we don't have to look down, but we look to the hills from which come our help. And our help comes from the Lord, but our help comes from within. He pitches us with it, puts us on a team so that we can build our dream team so that we can now have something established for our family to walk into. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God we serve that understands that we have needs. Jesus says to his disciples, do you see, do you think that your father in heaven will not supply all of your needs? Take no thought, repeating what I said earlier, on what you shall eat. Take no thought on on what you shall put on. Take no thought on tomorrow. How can we establish or how can we add anything to our lives by not trusting in him? If the natural father provides for his children, then won't our new covenant father provide for us? If evil men know how to give good gifts, doesn't a holy God know how to establish himself and 
give us the needs and the desires of our heart as he so promised? If he does not give us what we desire, if he does not meet our needs, then he is a liar and he says of himself, I am not a man that I should lie. So now my faith has to move from the size of a mustard seed and has to grow roots and has to begin to spring up and has to begin to show evidence that I am in full covenant with him who knows all and him who has all in his hands. So the doctor gives me a bad report, but healing is in his hands. My finances may be lacking, but the the potential to produce is in his hands and he leads me to the brook so that the raven can feed. He leads me into the wilderness so that I may find still waters. He allows me to go down. He allows me to lose business. He allows me, he may allow me to lose my job. He may allow me to lose my, my, my clothes for a season so that he can give me everything back and establish in my faith that if it had not been for the Lord, which was on my side, what is it that he has allowed you to go through in the time that you were building your ark? Can you hear the voice of Noah's onlookers? Look at this man building in the middle of the wilderness in the middle of a drought. <laughs> he building a boat and we ain't had rain in years. Can you hear the voice of his wife when he has to go out early in the morning with his ruler and his measurements? Because God now gives him all of the measurements. His windows have to be this big. You have to put rooms in it. You have to use a specific wood. He's out looking for wood. He's out chopping the tree. He's out doing everything. And there's no evidence or no, no evidence of results for this project. but he's building. Building the podcast nobody's listening to. Building the ministry nobody's coming to. Building a business with no credit. No customers. Your family won't even support you, but he placed it inside of you. So you got to keep building because you don't know when he's going to send breakthrough and you cannot tell him, I did not know and I'm not ready yet. The building process prepares us for when the rain is going to come. Because if I have faith enough to build, then I have faith enough to walk into that which I built. And I have faith enough that when I hear the winds, when I see that the mountain is covered with water, when I hear the yelp and the crying of those that have not entered into that which I have built when I hear them pounding on the door asking me for help. I got to trust that everything that he told me is going to come to pass even if I don't understand. Because the second nightmare is that when he actually allows you to realize that the vision that he placed inside of you can actually come to pass. That people will start to talk about you because he has elevated you in his season. Now they're going to tell you, you think you all that. That people will bring up old war stories. Yeah, you know him as this, but I remember when he used to be that. That people will start calling you and people will come from all over trying 
to destroy, but what God builds, can't nobody tear down. Bring you people that will support you at the right season, at the right time, so that you can continue to produce. I don't know who I'm talking to, but they that wait upon the Lord. He renews your strength. He mounts you up with wings like eagle. He teach you how to run without fainting. Wait, I say on him. Wait. Israel had to wait 40 and two generations for the seed of promise. Thank you, God, that you cause us to build in seasons when it seems unnecessary. Thank you that you call us to do stuff that we could not do on our own, so we know it got to be from you. Thank you for establishing us inside of us, the carpenter, to actually build the ark. Thank you for pitching us with your spirit that keeps us even when we don't want to be. Yeah. Thank you for allowing us to walk with faith into the ark knowing that your word shall be established. Thank you for leading us from that level of faith to the next level of faith, which is success. We give your name glory. We give your name honor. We give your name praise for what it is that you're about to do to everyone and for everyone that is connected to us. Our seasons of greatness, our seasons of overflow, our seasons of breakthrough, our seasons where our businesses shall be established and shall go forth into the world and we shall let the world know and if it had not been for you, we wouldn't be here. That we used to be connected to our ancestors here on earth, but now we're connected to that heavenly father who gives us his gifts and those us daily with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I pray for the faith of those that are connected with us, that they can be rooted and tap into this type of faith. I pray for those that feel as if you cannot forgive them. Let them know that forgiveness comes from you. In fact, Lord God, forgive us of our sins and our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the power in the kingdom and the power and the glory, both now and forever. Let your word be established in our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank God. And amen. It was a little rough, but we made it through. God bless you all. At One Ministries, we believe that giving is an essential part of our faith. As it says in 2 Corinthians 9 to 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. We are dedicated to serving our community and making a positive impact on the world around us. Our wellness ministry provides essential resources to help young people learn how to be flexible both physically and mentally. We also work hard to feed those in need and bring valuable virtual content to the masses, but we can't do it alone. As a non-profit organization, we rely on the generosity of people like you to help us continue our important work. 
Your contributions go directly to funding our programs, expanding our reach, and making a difference in the lives of those we serve. If you've been touched by our message, inspired by our content, or impacted by our work, we invite you to give generously today. Every dollar counts, and your support will help us continue to serve our community and fulfill our mission. To give, you can use our Cash App at dollar sign one Ministries, our PayPal at One Ministries, or visit our website to donate securely. And remember, as it says in Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Thank you for your support, and may God bless you abundantly as you give. Thank you for tuning into the One Ministries podcast, where we strive to bring you inspiring messages, thought-provoking discussions, and practical insights to help you grow in your faith and live out your calling as a follower of Christ. We hope you found this episode helpful, and we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast to stay connected and receive future episodes directly to your device. You can also follow us on social media and visit our website to learn more about One Ministries and our mission. Remember, we are one body with one mission and one purpose, and together we can make a difference in the world. So go out and live your faith boldly, love others deeply, and make an impact in your community and beyond. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to having you join us next time on the One Ministry